1: Live from the Fireside app, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and have you ever had that feeling, I'm not sure where life's taken me? I had that feeling myself until I realized that the key to life is learning how to enjoy the dark stankiness of a basement. Once I did that, it led to stardom as a podcast announcer guy. Hashtag winning, as all the kids say these days. Actually, no kids say that these days. Anyway, on today's show, what if you don't feel your calling? We'll talk about careers, callings, and more with our roundtable team. Beginning with the guy on this podcast, OG. And from LenPenzo.com, it's Huey Lewis. Nah, He's too hip to be square to hang out with us. All we could get was Len Penzo. And the woman behind Afford Anything, Paula Pant. Of course, not only will we talk about your life's mission, but also we'll watch our three contestants tangle on today's trivia challenge. It'll be sort of like a virtual game of Twister. Sorry for that visual there, Paula. It's basically a lose-lose for you. And now, a guy who's the poster child for Wayward Adults, Joe Saul Cihide.
0: Are you saying that if you end up in podcasting in your 50s, that that's not a good place to be? Because it is. It's a wonderful place to be. I get to hang out with all of you on a Friday and uh, lead this fun conversation. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And happy weekend to you. Happy beginning of uh, finishing your taxes frantically weekend. And the guy who got his stuff done long, long ago across the card table from me is Mr. OG.
2: Finishing taxes. Yeah, sure. Sure, they're done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the woman behind the Afford Anything podcast who did her taxes for this year, like three years ago, Paula Pant.
3: (laughs) Uh, I would not claim that that is a true statement, but I'm glad to be on the show.
0: Is that another one of... Those
3: exactly,
0: yeah, and the guy who doesn't file any taxes because the IRS has no idea where the
4: bunker's located <laughs> from deep under <laughs> Los Angeles, Len Penzo's here, yes. And watching Phil Mickelson, I, I don't think m- many people know this. Phil Mickelson is actually naturally a right handed golfer. Did, did you know that? I did not know the that. The guy's phenomenal, he's hitting golf balls left handed, he's given hitting golf balls right handed, and I'm thinking to myself, I you know, I would give my right arm to be ambidextrous. Oh, hold on, wait. That's where that goes. I'm, I'm using the crap out of that button, and the show just started. Yeah, hey, and one thing while I'm on a roll here. Hey, Doug, about that, that Huey Lewis joke, you're walking on a thin line, buddy.
0: Oh, <laughs>
4: You know I've got a million of them.
0: Did you know what's sad though, Len? Paula has no idea there even was a Huey Lewis joke.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, there is a band called Huey Lewis in the News, and they did some songs. Yes. 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 That's nice. Pretty much. It. I am aware. Good of job.
0: That. <laughs> there it is. That's all you need to know. That's all. Yes. Everything else is on a need to know basis and Paula doesn't (laughs) need to know. Right. Well, we've got Paula here. We got Len here. We got OG here. We're going to be talking about a piece about having a calling. And I know... People worry about this. People in their 20s worry about this. When I was in my teens, I thought, what do I want to be? But even in my 50s, you think, have I found my calling? Have I wasted my life? What's what's going on?
4: <laughs> <laughs> have I wasted my life Podcast. I'm sitting here nodding my Boy, head. this sounds yes. so
2: upbeat and uplifting. Sometimes you sit here sessions. in your 50s and you wonder, <laughs> have I just wasted my life?
0: Sitting here across from OG, is this really what I want to do? All that, but first... Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, now you've got your to-do list, don't you? You're ready to go dive in and be better at money than you were An hour ago when you started listening to the show and you know what, for a great partner, become a member at Navy federal credit union, because becoming a member at Navy federal could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, when you're thinking about debt, as I've said before, a lot of people have debt. Very few people have a debt strategy. Well, with Navy Federal, you can borrow up to 100% of your home equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Make the plan. Choose the best option because both options can help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federals insured by NCUA. Equalizing lender membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval. All right, let's talk about finding your calling. This piece comes to us from uh, the woke salary man, and I do not remember ever seeing this uh, before, but I really, really enjoyed reading this. It actually is uh, presented much like a graphic novel. It's, it's, uh, it's all get very cartoony. Uh, have any of you guys read this this blog before? Have you seen this?
3: I have not, but I love the presentation. Yeah. The me, pres- me too.
0: It is, it is great. So the piece is called, I Don't Have a Calling, Is That Okay?, and this person says, so you don't have a calling while everyone around you seems to? Don't fret. It's perfectly fine not to have a calling. Let's discuss. But before we get into what they say here, Paula, let's start with you. When you were young, when you were a teenager, when you were in college, did you worry much about your, quote, calling?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think at the time I thought of it in with using the term calling, but I thought a lot about what do I want to be when I grow up? And I thought about that as something more than just career, if career is defined as a progression. I thought about it in terms of like what, what would fulfill me, what would make optimal use of my talents and skills. You know, i, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, who am I going to be?
0: What values – went into that thought process? Because, you know, and the reason I ask that is for me, when I was young, I really wanted to be something, quote, important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that was going to move the needle for the universe, not somebody that was just praying for a 3% uh, cost of living raise every year.
3: Right. Yeah, I I agree. I felt the same way. I wanted to do something that would make an impact, uh, make a difference, something that would use my particular talents and skills. I knew that I was much better at reading, writing verbal skills than I was at math and science. So I was trying to figure out how I could uh, take that skill set and apply it to something that, you know, to to quote Steve Jobs, makes a dent in the universe.
0: (laughs) And now you're in finance where there's no math at all. (laughs)
3: <laughs> right, exactly.
0: <laughs> no. Well, I don't know about you, and, and Paul, I don't want it to just be a conversation with you and I, but I don't know about you, but math became much more important and, and much more approachable to me the older I get once I realized math was a language, much like other languages.
3: Right. You know, I, I feel the same way. I think that as an adult, I can view math in the framework of logic, and then I approach it as an exercise in logical thinking, And that wasn't something that was clear to me as a kid. Yeah. As a kid, it was just a bunch of numbers. Yeah.
0: Yep. That was me too. I'm like, if I can avoid this number stuff, I was much more interested in stories than I was numbers. And then numbers always seemed to factor into the stories. So, and I realized they were related. Oh gee, how about you? When did, when did you start worrying about your calling and what your place on earth was going to be all about?
2: Um... Four days ago, pretty much never. <laughs> really, really, um, <clears throat> certainly not. When I was like eighteen or twenty or twenty-five or anything like that. I mean, I think now I really enjoy the stuff that I do, but I feel like the, the the phrase like my calling sounds a little too important for me. You know what I mean? Like, like I really like the work that we do. I really like the podcast stuff. I really like the planning that I do for clients and. And but that was an acquired taste, you know what I mean? Like I had to do it to figure out that I liked it,
0: so that conversation, um, Paul and I just had is uh, antithetical to your existence. I mean, you I kind of fell
2: asleep during you it, didn't do, you didn't do it.
0: <laughs> I'm glad somebody
1: said it
2: <laughs> I mean I mean this is interesting to learn that you you know don't like math and you like stories instead that's that was important for me to know about you but I mean there's some things that you're good at, right? There's some things that you're naturally drawn to, but but I to to say that I was, you know, thinking in my late teens or early 20s like I wonder what kind of impact I can make in this world, like no chance. I was thinking what can I do that makes the most money? And, and then I figured out that definitely I should be a financial planner and the first year I made like 5 grand. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't really hit the jackpot in the category of the thing that makes the most money right out the gate,
0: not lighten um, it up. Yeah.
2: But I think, you know, different, different than kind of going into it or what Paula said about, you know, how she was thinking about it for a long time. I really like the stuff that we do now, you know what I mean? And, and so whether that's a calling or not, I don't know. Len
0: Len. So on the continuum of fascinated by the discussion Paul and I had and and falling asleep like OG did. Where are you at when it comes to finding your calling?
4: Well, I, I don't think there's any one calling. I've had a multitude of callings in my life, my long life. I started in high school and while I was in college, you know, I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I mean, that was, to me, that was my calling. It had nothing to do with making the world a better place. Like OG, it was all about You know what? It was all about me. I enjoyed uh, writing music. I enjoyed playing music, and it was a lot of fun. But eventually, it went nowhere, and I had another calling. Came. I I started paying attention to my career, and that kind of dovetailed as my calling. And then over time, you know, you have kids, and you do things, and I started working. in little league and giving my time to that 40 hours a week, almost every week to little league. And then that went away and my son quit and my calling. I was going to gonna say,
0: to- I was going to say, Doug, they kicked Len out of the league once they saw his birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> when he, kept, he, he kept driving himself to the game. Rim for shot. Under rim 12 <laughs> and under. Oh yeah. Here we go. Whoops. Missed on that one. How about, there we go.
4: Anyway, so and, and that left after that, I had nothing to do, and I started doing this blogging thing and this and, and this kind of took up all my free time and, and this is what I like to focus on now actually it's it 's really quite fun. My point is there is no you know to me there's no one great calling it, it can morph over time, it can evolve.
0: Well, he actually then goes into yes. the difference between having a calling, having a job and having a career. And it's funny, Len, as you were talking, I'm, I'm thinking that these early jobs that I had, I never thought that those were my calling, but certainly over time by having these jobs, by having these odd jobs, these different things that I did, these interactions with other people, like OG said, he talked about how, you know, th- these things kind of informed what his calling was over time.
4: Yeah, I mean that's, that comes with experience, right? It's when you're young, it's really hard. You might think you know what your calling is, but only through the passage of time do you get the wisdom and 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 the knowledge and ref, and the ability to reflect and, and find out what you really want. So you know what you might think you want might be totally different, and you'll figure that out by your life experiences over time. Yes.
0: What was an early, early aha you had about yourself or about your view of work from an early job that you had?
4: Well, for me, you're talking to me, right? So you talking um, to me? You talking to me? Uh, well, it was teamwork. Actually, I guess I, I I worked better in a team environment, and I thought that it was always better to rely on your experts and not try to do everything yourself. Um, so that's something that I kind of realized early on and I've used.
0: Yeah. Paula, something that informed your calling later on for maybe an early job or you didn't think it was a part of your calling.
3: I would say the desire to constantly challenge myself. That wasn't something that I thought about earlier. um, Mm. Like, you know, when I, when I was younger, but the realization that no matter how excited I initially am about a given job, I'm going to get bored with it. If there aren't constant challenges that I think, uh, informed the way that i think about a calling
0: oh gee how about yours uh don't recycle the coleslaw was that the thing (laughs) that was yours put the old put the old chicken with the new chicken i mean i I watched
2: watched uh from afar the impacts of of eating eight hour coleslaw
0: Um, (laughs) i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the tourist town you worked in
2: oh yeah, they didn't have coleslaw there though. Buttered noodles. Oh, buttered noodle,
0: buttered for, noodles, if mm. you remember. Yeah.
2: No, I've realized very quickly that I'm not a fan of trading time for money. And that's kind of sort of how everything is set up. Like you work this amount of time and you get this uh, this amount of money. And it it was always interesting to me that I could, if I wanted to, I could get my job done a lot earlier. And everything I tried to do was try to make it so that I would still get paid the same, even if I got done faster. And and I think that that from a very early age, kind of led me down the path of being an entrepreneur and having seeing my you know my grandparents kind of run their business and stuff like that, um, probably informed a lot of that. I would imagine
0: that's a great early early lesson. What a frustrating thing that can be trading. Time for for money, Paula. I I think, based on what I've I know of the th- the the three of you, you've had kind of the most circuitous career, <laughs> the the yep. one that's been more all over the place. The next place he takes this is from job right where you have one job to a career where you move from a small area of a career to an or one job that maybe pays a little to a job that pays more to a job that pays more, but but for you. Your your changes in that career path, was it because you were exploring different opportunities? Was it for money? Was it the fact that you were finally feeling like you were finding your calling? What was it?
3: So I feel as though I did follow a linear career path, but it was in uncharted territory. And the reason that that territory was uncharted is because I was foraying into new possibilities that were made possible By a new technology, which created this explosion of different avenues, right? So Mm. from print newspapers, it wasn't a big leap to go from a print newspaper reporter to a full-time freelance writer, to a blogger, to a podcaster. Um, You know, like you can see the trajectory there. That's
0: funny. Yeah, you're, you're more following, while it does look like a winding road from far away, the closer you get, the more you're just following the river. Yeah, exactly. Well, and Len, your career from far away seems to be the opposite, right? One employer for a long time, something we don't see as much anymore. But was yours more more uh, winding river like we think of Paula's than people would think from afar? Uh,
4: in all. It actually, in the micro sense, it was a winding river, but as you pull yourself away like Paula, it really wasn't. It was just a, a natural progression over time until I got more and more responsibility. And eventually I got to a point where I was leading a project that took 10, the last 10 or 12 years of my career, which was very satisfying actually. So I I guess, you know, there's lots of little job descriptions I had over the course of my 35 years, but um, overall it was just natural. It was a natural progression.
0: In just a moment, we're going to go from job to career into This idea of a calling. What is a calling? How did our roundtable team, how did they find their calling? We're going to do that in the second half, and we're also going to give people tips to help them find their calling. But before that, we do a year-long trivia competition. Our three main contributors, Len, Paula, and OG, are in a... Fight to the finish for maybe the worst looking trophy in professional trivia sports games. But uh, we, do have, we do have quite a wild and woolly one happening now. And let me see. Here's what we got. Paula, I got some good news for you. Yeah, yeah, you get to go last again because you are sucking. Like what? Paul is at three and a half points because of that tie a few weeks ago with OG. OG, you're at four and a half, and Len, Len pulled ahead last time by even more. You got a nice the Len, you got a little cushion. Which I know you've been told before, but I'm I'm referring to something <laughs> <laughs> referring to something else this time. Uh, you've got a point and a half lead, so we're going to see if you widen it even more, or if you uh, well, or if OG and Paula catch up a little bit. But one person knows that, and he's got today's trivia question, and his name is Doug.
1: Hey there, Staggers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you haven't checked the calendar, it's almost tax day. Yes, that's the day when millions of Americans take out the old eraser and try to find that moral line between cheating and eh, just not being completely truthful. Speaking of truth, there was a not great selling movie by that name in 2015 starring Kate Blanchett and Robert Redford about political events in the early 2000s where it was uncovered that the media may have twisted some of the facts. No, say it ain't so. In one scene, news producer Mary Mapes is leaning against a bookcase while speaking with news anchor Dan Rather. A bookcase which includes a book by writer Ben Bradley, who was not only the editor of the Washington Post when they uncovered the Watergate scandal, but also had to manage a press disaster of his own. You see, he'd been in charge when writer Janet Cook had fabricated, unbeknownst to him or others at the paper, a story about a young drug addict. A story which won the Pulitzer Prize. As you know, there's usually lots of money and fame for people who win a Pulitzer Prize. So here's today's question. What year was Janet Cook's fabricated story published? I'll be back with the answer right after I go figure out what a dependent is on this tax form I'm looking at.
0: All right. Uh, you know, this is, by the way, the only, I do know this, this is the only Pulitzer Prize that has been rewarded because of this type of a fabrication. So definitely a big deal in journalism land. Paula gets to go last. Oh, geez, in the middle. Len, because you've got that point and half lead. You are first, my friend. Janet Cook's fabricated story in the Washington Post. What year was it?
4: I have no idea. I, I, you know, I kind of lost the story while Doug was telling it. It was so long. I, I just uh, my attention span wasn't long enough. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I have no freaking clue. I don't know if this is. Re- Didn't Doug mention this was in 2000? The movie was in 2015. And the then, movie was in 2015
0: but, and was but, about events that were in the early 2000s. However, in the movie. She's leaning against a bookcase that includes a book
4: about an earlier transgression. Uh, I have no clue. I don't know. Uh, I'm no clue. Nineteen uh, I don't know. Eighty. Nineteen eighty, OG. I'm gonna
2: need uh a little bit more of a fact pattern to start it over because I also like Len fell asleep because (laughs) I was trying to put it together and I'm like, there's what's happening. I, I, usually, I can see the question coming. So could you, could you synthesize the question into like a smaller paragraph?
0: There was one Pulitzer prize in history that was awarded and then it turned out the story was fabricated.
2: And what's a Pulitzer prize?
0: A Pulitzer prize is a prize that's awarded for journalism, for a okay. great story in the field good of story. journalism, yes. Okay, and so, so just some hints: the movie that this occurred in was in 2015. The event, what was the movie, the event. It was it, it was called "The Truth," and it starred Kate Blanchett <laughs> and
1: Robert it's a good Red. Thing Joe was listening. Nobody's this. Yes. <laughs>
3: to jump in here and say that was my favorite intro to any question ever in the history of stacking Benjamin. <laughs> oh my
0: Good god! No, seriously, somebody's defending us.
3: Seriously, that was my favorite, and I, I, I can still <laughs> box why. But yeah.
0: <laughs> so so, but the movie, the events of the movie, happened in the early two thousands. But Kate Blanchett, playing the producer, is leaning against a bookcase that has a book, which is by the writer. Which is by the gentleman who was the editor of the Washington Post and had it unraveled underneath him that all of a sudden he realizes this writer, Janet Cook, fabricated a story. So we know it's before the early 2000s. This this is really ridiculous. Um,
2: Okay, Len said 1980. I will say 1990. I, I don't know. Never heard of any of this. This is all make-believe in my book.
0: <laughs> well, it turns out the story was make-believe, but this was a big deal at the time. <laughs> yes. So, Paula, you got okay. 1980 and 1990.
3: So, first of all, I want to say I loved this intro, right? Because we we it took us through so much. There's this movie, and it came out, and the movie was called The Truth. And, you know, it came out relatively recently, but it reflects back on this era that was long ago enough that – It feels like, you know, it's the early 2000s, like that's a long, it's 20 years ago. So it's long ago enough to be considered kind of history, but still relatively recently enough that we all remember it. Um. Right? And so the beginning of this question, we kind of reflect on the early two thousands and we imagine the Washington okay. Post. Right, right. We imagine this newsroom and we look at the bookshelf and then and inside the bookshelf, how subtle is that? That there's this book written by this guy who was the editor in chief during the Watergate scandal. And like, wow, Watergate, now we're even going further back in history. I think but you then-
1: gotta I think you gotta stop because Doug's ego's getting huge. No. no, it's not that. I've just fallen in love with Paula all over it. <laughs> Just when I thought the magic was gone. <laughs> now. I just want to listen to her
3: talk. <laughs> and then we move forward in time to sometime after Watergate but before the early 2000s when the Janet Cook debacle took place and when was that? Like, wow. Like that's that is narrative construction right there. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of my guess, though. I was going to say, you got to say one
1: more thing than that. I hope she wins. <laughs> we, I want her to win so badly. Needed an
3: answer. In terms of my guess, I'm going to guess that it happened at some point during the 80s. So I will split the difference and take 1985. 1985. All right.
0: Well, on that note, we would love to tell you who is right. Uh, <laughs> but if we don't play that way. We'll be right back. Stackers, you've heard the bad news. Mint is shutting down. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, well, there is some good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch money. It's what Cheryl and I use to manage our money. I, as you know, advocate a weekly meeting, and Cheryl and I live by that weekly meeting. We sometimes miss it, but we get back on the horse and half the reason is is because we consistently get updates and reminders from uh, Monarch money. I'm a notifications off kind of guy. But with Monarch, I want to see the notifications because it helps us collaborate. We have our goals right next to the short-term spending that we have when we open up the app so we can see exactly what we're truly going for. And, you know, compare that thing in the moment that we want with what's the long-term goal. It's truly the next generation of personal finance apps. If you've been frustrated that there's ads all over your app or it's difficult to use or doesn't get updated, the Monarch people were too. And that is why they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, your investments, your transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you head to monarchmoney.com Benjamins. That's monarchmoney.com Benjamins. You're going to get to kick the tires for 30 days, which I absolutely love because you want to make sure that it's for you. And I think the longer you use it, the more you will see like I did, that uh, it's intuitive, number one. It has this very simple design that makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. It's easy to collaborate. Uh, Cheryl has her login. I have mine. We could set up where we want. And... You can send it to your financial advisor as well to have them have a login, anybody who's on your team. And you know what? No extra fee for that, which is amazing. It's all customizable, customer-focused, ad-free privacy you can trust. They'll never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. So after trying out Monarch for myself, I get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now... You can try too with an extended 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. When you hear the name Navy Federal Credit Union, you probably think that it's just for members of the U.S. Navy. In fact, Navy Federal Credit Union serves all branches of the armed forces. They even serve the families of service members and veterans of all branches They're experts in military finance and they empathize with members' lives and go above and beyond to make sure they don't miss out on financial opportunities. What I absolutely love about Navy Federal is how they have that same approach with their members that Disney has with people that go, you know, Disney's legendary for their customer service. Navy Federal lives by their slogan that our members are our mission. And I absolutely love that. They're going to serve people who either serve or have served our country when it comes to buying a car. Navy Federal knows it's a big investment. That's why they offer rates as low as 1.79% APR on new vehicles, along with flexibility with monthly payments and terms. And now, when you refinance your auto loans from another lender, members could save and get $200. Get decisions in seconds and start saving with Navy Federal Credit Union, available to members who are active duty, veterans, and their families. To earn and save money as a member, learn more at Navy Federal. Dot org navy federal is federally insured by ncua credit and collateral subject to approval rate subject to change and based on creditworthiness. so your rate may differ refinance loan must be at least five thousand dollars to be eligible for that two hundred dollars terms and conditions apply len you opened this in uh, 1980 and uh, you weren't quite as enthralled with this question as paula was
4: i'm just hoping that we can go back to questions like how many Tubs of popcorn does it take to fill the? Entire state I second that motion. <laughs> yeah,
0: because questions about cheating on stuff not uh, yeah. not good. Oh, gee, you're yeah, 1990, I and I'm t- I can tell on this one you feel like you got it, like you're you're pretty confident.
1: Uh huh. What led you to believe that? I'm,
0: I'm, yes, there was there was no sarcasm. Oh, in I my... See. Yes uh and paula 1985
3: i mean i'm guessing it was probably the 80s because i feel like a lot of effed up stuff happened then
0: well let's 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 find out how effed up it was uh doug what's our
1: answer hey there stackers i'm tax form filler outer and truth's gray area tour guide joe's mom's neighbor doug I got lots of dependents to deduct. Turns out, I'm a dependent on Joe's mom for a great dinner, and so there's one. I'm dependent on this show for two foamy beverages a week, so there's two, but I still want that raise. And I'm dependent on all of you for the huge pile of fan mail I'm sure to receive in the very near future. So, I'm claiming three dependents, but you're also dependent on me for today's trivia answer, so let's get to it. Here was the question. Stay awake, people. What year... (laughs) Snappy snap. Wake up. What year did Washington Post writer Janet Cook fabricate a story about a drug addict, a story which won the Pulitzer Prize? Well, the story about an eight-year-old heroin addict was so believable that Washington, D.C. officials went on an all-out search for the boy. Officials, including then Mayor Marion Barry, there's some irony for you. None other than a accla- <laughs> none other than acclaimed journalist Bob Woodward, nominated Cook for the Pulitzer. When cries that the story was possibly fabricated first arose, Mayor Barry stated that he'd met the boy. Later, the city said that the boy was dead. However, it was the Toledo Blade, a place where Cook had worked, who pointed out discrepancies in Cook's credentials. She hadn't worked at the paper in the manner she'd described, and her college resume was not correct. Finally, Janet Cook admitted that not only had she fudged her college and work background, but that she'd also made up the story about the young boy. And when did this whole mess take place? 1981, and that means my favorite person on this podcast, Paula, came in second, but Len is our winner.
3: Wow, the one time that I don't Chelsea Brennan.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Uh, I'm feeling guilty. That's two weeks in a row that I have absolutely no clue what was going on. That was my uh, favorite phrase,
0: Len, knowing exactly when, looking at Doug's trivia in front of me. And and you're like, I have no clue, 1980. I'm like, great, good. (laughs) Good, he nails it with the I don't know. Proving that this takes no skill. (laughs) (laughs) But congratulations, Mr. Penzo, pulling away in 2022 with seven now. Good work. (laughs) So in this conversation that we've been having about first off having a job and then that becomes a career, how do we turn that into our calling? What is our calling? We're going to dive into the weeds on that. We're going to figure out how our round table team got to find their calling and uh hopefully help you find yours the second half of this conversation where we do a deeper dive is brought to you by magnify money when you head to stackybenjamins.com magnify money
1: doug you know what happens um there's like balloons and ponies and things. <laughs> Actually, virtually yes, because you're going
0: to have a big smile on your face when you find out that those products you've been using at your brick and mortar bank probably not best in class. If you head to slash magnify money, you will find 92% of all of the products available online everywhere ranked against each other objectively. So you can pick the best ones for you. stackingbenjamins.com slash magnify money for more. And of course, there's not a best for everybody, but I like the fact that you can toggle different things, find out exactly for whatever you're trying to accomplish, what it might be, whether it's savings products, debt products, or, uh, checking accounts. Of course, lots of people paying way too much for a checking account. And that should be, that should definitely for most of us be free, but let's, let's dive into this, this idea of having a, calling. So Len, from early jobs to having a career where, as you mentioned earlier, you kind of follow the river and there seemed to be a natural progression. When did you kind of figure out what your quote calling was or what your callings may have been? And did it have anything to do with your career?
4: Well, yeah. One of the big things was I enjoyed, I I didn't feel like I was, even in in my career situation, I didn't feel like I was working ever. I went to bed. I couldn't wait to get up and get back to work and see the project that we were working on move forward. So there was no hint of work, none whatsoever. And I just felt, it felt like it was my natural part of my life, you know? So it was just, and it was a, what a great feeling when you, when you do have that.
0: And so it was affiliated with your career. And this is the question as you get ready to retire, then is it sad to have that go away if you're excited about getting up? (laughs) Well,
4: and that's why I'm retiring is because the project that I'd worked on for so long got canceled finally. Oh. Uh, and it took away basically my calling. It, it, basically, I became a, a, not even a career at this point since I'm so far along, it, it, it became a job. Mm. And so that's why I am moving now towards retirement and working towards my next calling.
0: That is wow. We just worked up the ladder and yours immediately reverted back to job and you said, no, thanks.
4: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, wow. OG, does your calling have anything to do with your career?
2: No. I mean, I think that, like I said before, the stuff that I like to do happens to be what I do. And so I'm really fortunate to be able to spend most of my day solving problems and thinking up solutions for people for different things. And that transcends all all the stuff that I do. You know, it's not just... In the planning business, but then, you know, my hobbies and activities that I do outside of work also have a a little bit of the flair to that. You know what I mean? Like there has that little bit of leadership and discipline type of stuff tied to it as well. So I'm kind of like with Len, I don't feel like I work at all. I just do what I like to do all the time and it happens to pay. And I, and I think that's the goal that we're all trying to get to is to the point where that's what's going on. And when that stops being Fun or where it starts feeling like work again, it is time to do something different.
0: Would you advise young people though to have a calling that that is a part of their job? Like you know, we hear about follow your passion, right? And in this piece, you can see that this author clearly uh, delineates between the two. He said that they can be totally different things. You can do one thing for money—that's a job and a career—have a completely different calling, and that's that's okay.
2: 100%. Yeah, absolutely. If it, I mean, it's it's obviously a great fortune if you're able to combine those two things together, right? Like that's a perfect scenario. But a lot of people like to do stuff on the side that is way more exciting than the work that they do Monday to Friday 9 to 5. It's if you can combine those two things, that's really the the magic.
0: But uh, Paula, for you is that the magic?
3: Well, so when that article talked about that, when it talked about, um, you know, it gave the snowboarding example and said, if, if you can make money, if you can make that your career, that's, if that's your, if snowboarding is your calling and it's also your career, that's of course the, the best case scenario, but don't feel guilty if that doesn't happen. Um, what that reminded me of was this quote from, uh, oh, what's her name? The author of Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert. Where she wrote this follow-up book, and in it she ta- called Big Magic, and uh, she talked about how you shouldn't burden your art by making it pay the bills.
0: That was the next place I was going, because I think it could ruin your calling.
3: Mm, right. Is that,
4: was that the Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, Little House in the Prairie? I, I loved her on that show.
3: I have never seen that show.
4: Of course, you best answer. The best
1: answer is Paula could have given. Little House
2: on the Prairie. You've never seen Little House on the Prairie?
1: No. Why are aware I've that there's that books show? called,
2: you know, Little House on the Prairie and like the.
4: That was a very subtle joke. Anyways, it's Melissa Gilbert. Never mind. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> I
4: appreciated it.
2: The whole like, series. Oh, no. No. Laura Ingalls Wilder? Oh, no. boy. Oh, boy. Interesting.
1: Nope. This oh, isn't even like Wilder. pop culture, Paula. None of us Just were like, born
2: when these books Paul. were written.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You're aware
2: there's a person called Shakespeare, right?
3: It's like
1: <laughs>
2: right after that, these books were made.
3: I've heard the name Laura Ingalls Wilder before. I'm aware she's an author. But back to your career. <laughs> Might, I don't want to re this too quickly,
0: but... Uh, you're calling and saddling it with the money obligation you you were saying, she says, might not, might not be good.
3: Yeah, well, because I think a lot of times from the outside looking in, a given career seems glamorous. Being a photographer, being a stand-up comedian, being a podcaster, right? From the outside looking in, it Huge seems glamour. glamorous. <laughs> exactly. But the day-to-day of it can be a lot of drudgery. It can be a lot of administration. It can be a lot, you know, like there's dealing with Doug. What the reality of a given job or career is at the day-to-day level might be very different from what a person imagines it to be. And so I think that oftentimes when your art, whatever that may be using art in the broadest sense of the word possible, if that gets ruined by trying to make it, Keep the lights on, trying to make it your sole source, your primary source of income. Oftentimes, it's because the reality of what that job or career is sets in.
0: That's so interesting to me because I've seen so many people that go down that passion path, and then they they realize that. As an example, you know, I, we were we were joking the other day about how I quote the E Myth nonstop, but in the E Myth. Believe it or not, in the E-Myth, this woman loves baking cakes, and then she finds Mm -hmm. out she's not baking cakes at all. She's running a business. She has to delegate the thing she loves, because really what it is truly that she's
1: doing is a whole different skill set that she doesn't love. You know know those signs in workplaces that say, like, it's been 27 days since we've had an accident in the workplace? (laughs) We're going to have a sign in the basement that says, it's been X number of episodes since Joe mentioned the (laughs) (laughs) E-Myth. I, Michael Gerber does and, owe me some and money. The number will never be greater than two. <laughs> but I think it's
0: it's 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 very clear. And, and and by the way, what do you feel, Paula, about having this set calling? Should we focus on a set calling, or does that kind of run like the river as well?
3: Yeah, I think a calling can morph and change over time because e- each individual, each person is is dynamic right you're not the same none of us are the same people that we were five years ago and we're not the same people who we will be five years from now Uh, that's true for everyone and so your calling kind of can morph in the way that you yourself can morph
0: i love that answer because len i think that that points to the inflection point that you're at right now you know um when I was a financial planner, I would see so many people stumble over the fact that their career was their calling and something happened like it has for you where it becomes a job. And now you're almost in search of a new calling, right? And you see these people that they atrophy at that point. Like, how are you thinking about calling now?
4: Well, you know what? It, <sighs> I don't worry about looking and finding my calling. My calling is going to find me. Okay, so and that's I've got some things I want to do when I retire, and it'll find and, you
0: in a chair watching Wheel of Fortune. Is where it'll find. <laughs>
4: no, it won't gun. actually. <laughs> but but yeah, but 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 the thing I think my calling will it will my next calling will come to me based on, you know, I'm trying a bunch of things out and it's just going to come to me. Oh, gee, the, the writer of this piece
0: talks about the three ideas here, job, career, calling are hierarchical, right? We start off with job, we then have career, and we have calling as, as the top of the, the the pyramid. He says that this also creates a lot of this angst, that we think about it in that hierarchy. Do you Do you agree with that, that this idea that we – We think job career calling is part of the frustration that people find when they can't necessarily find their calling.
2: Well, it seems to me that kind of sort of syncs with what I said earlier, where for me, it was something that turned into something that I really like to do. You know, I I was fortunate enough to pick something that turned into that. And to your point earlier about, you know, not making it pay the bills, you know, just I, I think that's actually a good thing if you can... If you can combine all of that stuff and it pays the bills, then there's no stress at all. But the stress happens when you know you abandon the thing that you need to do to pay the bills so early in the process that then it becomes stressful, and then the thing that you want to do you can't then because you know there's real obligations or real consequences for that. It's just like the charitable thing. I don't know where I heard this from, but I love the idea of you know when you're younger. Uh, you don't really know what's important to you. You know, you think you do when you're 22 or 25 or 30 or whatever, you think you have a really good idea. But once you've experienced a little bit of life, then you really find out what's important to you uh, from a from a charitable standpoint. So instead of, you know, donating $50 every month to 100 different things, well, that would be a lot of money, but donating a whole bunch of money just randomly, accumulate that money. And there's places for that now, like in donor advised funds, where you just hold on to it until you find the thing that really motivates you, or the thing that you're really trying to get behind and support, and and sometimes that is the same thing from when you were 20, and uh, but a lot of times it's not. You know, you just have to experience a little bit of life to get to that. So I have no idea what your question was, but that is <laughs> well, final well, well,
0: I'm glad you brought that up because uh, the bottom of this piece talks about if you don't have a calling kind of the route to maybe finding one and the first thing Paula is that that they list is is try different things out and i know that i can't see you here on fireside but i can just feel you nodding your head try a bunch of different stuff
3: yeah absolutely and as you're trying things be aware of what qualities or attributes about the thing you enjoy because it can be, we'll take the snowboarding example again. It can be easy to think like, oh, I love snowboarding, but it might be the social aspect or it might be the outdoors aspect or it might be, you know, there, there are many qualities or attributes that that activity has. And as you try different things, if you can figure out what underlying attributes are the attributes that you enjoy, then you can come up with lessons that can be more universally applied.
0: Yeah, and it's funny when you test all these different things and you start finding those universal truths, it, it becomes – becomes so much easier i think to even find the next thing and it leads you like a magnet to to what that calling is len the number two piece of advice in this piece that kind of goes right along with what you said and it's do all you can to make as much money as you can so that when your calling does come you have the resources to make it come true you talked about your calling finding you right you don't want to have your calling find you and you don't have the resources to go pursue it
4: that's true if if it, um that kind of applies more when you're younger though, right? I mean if it, once you're older, hopefully you, you have the money. But not all callings, I think, I will argue – yeah, require but require money. Yeah, but you I know? also I mean, know.
0: I, I also know. You know, when you say it's younger people, I know plenty of people that spend forever chasing this calling and getting upset or worried that they haven't found it. They waste all these years instead of trying things out. They never build resources for the right thing. I feel like they're too busy trying to be proactive on the calling end versus letting the calling come to them, like you were talking about.
4: Yeah. Uh, now I'm gonna. I'm gonna wade into some maybe controversial territory. I know a lot of young people who I, I think they believe their calling is in the fire movement is just the RE part of fire. the retire early without really thinking much about what they're going to do. That They're just mistaking that as a calling. And it's not a calling. You, there's got to be more to it than that. Yeah. Check, so checking out you early need to be, is not you a need calling. To be care- yes. You need to be careful there.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's controversial unless somebody's uh, 28 and saving 97% of their income. That's the only person who's going to find that controversial.
4: Well, I hope I didn't offend somebody. I sometimes, you know, it's, it's kind of, it gets emotional sometimes. So no offense.
0: Oh, gee, the third one here on the list of things to do is just contribute as much value as you can to society.
2: Yep. That's my middle name. Contribute as much to society.
0: I think you oh, do contribute gee. as much as you can to society. I, I
2: mean, that sounds a little holier than thou in my book, but, um, you know, do your best. How about that?
1: Well, Well, I I don't know. I I disagree. I'm kind of with Joe on this one. Sorry, I'm going to jump in. I've been chomping at the bit here, but OG, I think you do. I mean, contributing to society doesn't have to be anything more than be a great partner, be a great husband, be a great dad, make good people around you. You're done. Like the the ripples you make in the pond just by being a great person and and encouraging others and teaching others how to be a great person. That's all you need to do. In the world, your calling doesn't have to be standing on top of a mountaintop preaching philosophy to everybody who will listen and and, you know, making everybody convert to your way of life. That's just it's, it's a Hollywood version of a calling. And I think you do do that in a micro way. I think most of us do that in a micro way. And that's enough.
0: Yeah, and, and and while I wholeheartedly agree with what Doug's saying, OG, I just also want to go on record that I don't want to be anywhere near you when you're making ripples in the pond. Like <laughs> I, I just don't or bubbles. Want, yeah, yeah, I could not not someplace I'm excited about mm-hmm. being
2: everybody's a comedian.
0: But but I do but, but 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 I do Doug agree. I mean, and on my end, you know, I think being a part of your community and digging in and just being a contributor to the area around you and stuff that lights your fire, I think is is also fun without thinking of it as as quote a calling. Uh I love those ideas. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Let's uh, find out uh, what's going on where all of you live. OG, big tax weekend. Anything planned besides sitting in front of a computer trying to figure out uh, dependents like Doug is?
2: I, I was listening to Doug and I thought he was saying depends <laughs> the whole time, Can you which claim makes it? a lot more sense. Can
0: you claim your depends?
2: Doug tries. Well, as it's Easter weekend, um, we are... Uh, you know, full into that. Easter brunch and church and awesome. yeah. Easter egg hunting and whatnot. So. All of all of that.
4: Mr. Penzo, what's going on at linpenzo.com Well, a reader sent me an email about how a broken washing machine fixed his finances. And I thought it was really good. And I asked him if I could put it on the blog. And he said, yes. So I've got a reader's Uh, story on how uh, a broken washing machine turned his personal finance life around. That's a story you want
0: to hear the end to, and that's only at LenPenzo.com. And? (laughs) And of course, the com. Yes. I love when people ask me, like, where does that come from? And I can't even remember. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It was
4: some joke a long time ago. And, and thank you for letting me go before Paula. Because <laughs> now we can hear who, which uh, Nobel Prize winner Paula yes. <laughs> Paula, which Nobel
0: Prize winner is it coming up on Afford Anything?
3: Well, so uh, coming up soon, Bill Bengen, who invented the 4% rule, is a guest on the Afford Anything podcast. So I'm very, very excited for that episode to air. Also recently, we aired an episode with Nick Majuli, he is a writer who works for a wealth management firm, but his real claim to fame is that he writes about investing in a way that is that is clear and has an original fresh take. So we have an excellent conversation about uh, saving and investing, but which when I say it like that makes it sound like, ah, oh, same old, same old, but that's the skill that Nick has. He's able to take these concepts that we talk about often and frame it in a new light.
0: And that's all at the Afford Anything podcast, where only finer podcasts are distributed. And. When it comes to my tour, we're in Michigan this week, and I think, Doug, uh, there's a strong possibility you're with me as we make the tour through Michigan. On Monday, we'll be in Detroit. Tuesday, Grand Rapids. Thursday, Kalamazoo. Then we head for Chicago. We're out in the suburbs in Aurora on Thursday. Downtown on Friday. I'm not sure if tickets will be available or not by the time this airs. And then Saturday, Milwaukee. But for all those events, stackingbenjamins.com slash stacked. What so, happened to Toledo? <laughs> I did, what, Toledo people get their choice. They can either come up and join me in Detroit. We we kept the options open for Toledo,
1: uh,
0: or they could go over to Cleveland. So it's a nice, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And for all those people who are thinking, man, if Doug's going to be there, I'm definitely going, I'm going to be there for all of you thinking if he's there, I am no way I'm passing. I'm probably not going to be there. <laughs> it's just, it's his nice job. See that's sales right
0: there. That is sales. <laughs> Stackybedjamins.com slash stacked. All right. That's going to do it for today. Everyone, Doug, take it from here. My friend, what should we have learned today?
1: Well, Joe, first not finding your calling. The fun is in the search. Rather than contemplate the right path, start marching and your path will find you. Second, sometimes to win in life, you don't even need to be awake. Just blurt out an answer and you got a shot at success. But the big lesson, speak to a pro before filing your taxes. Todd, down at the Sizzler, is an old hand with TurboTax and tells me that dependence doesn't mean what you're dependent on, but it's who's dependent on you, which means I can claim the whole world. Todd might not be a horrible guy after all, even if he always overcharges me on the shrimp appetizer. I'm still watching you, Todd. Thanks to Paula Bant for joining us today. You'll find her podcast, Afford Anything, wherever you're listening to us right now. Thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash little league. Thanks also to OG. Looking for good financial planning help? Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG for his calendar. This show is the property of SP Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is written in part by Paulette Perhatch, who helps writers power their words, their work, and their earning potential with her Powerhouse Writers Coaching Program. Find out more at PowerhouseWriters.com. Thanks also to our team who made today possible. Karen Repine is our producer. Tina Eichenberg and Gertrude Smith, our social media mavens. And Brooke Miller handles the show notes and our amazing newsletter, The 201. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. That's it for today. We'll see you back here on Monday on Stacking Benjamins. Hey, Doug, how many pages
3: is that copy that you uh, read? I know. The, what
1: made you think of that? All the credits? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. I, you guys never hear all those credits because before because they're just pre-recorded. But when we do the fireside, Joe wants to have them live. Why is that, Joe? Uh, so that uh, Len can ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly why. I know. Len, again. Len, <laughs> Len, do you find yourself falling asleep quite a bit when I talk? I guess so. <laughs> It's like uh, the movie about the thing with the people and the but, stuff. Doug, you know I love you, man. I, I do. I know. He's I sending do. me virtual hugs all the time. Paula, though, I got to say, A, Joe wrote the trivia today, and so he did a, an amazing job at taking you on that roller coaster ride. But we have decided sort of as a writing team that we really like those questions that sort of – Think you're, make you think you're going one way and then take mm-hmm. you another way, and Joe just added in like a third twist mm-hmm. by having you zero. What I, what I really liked when I read it, and I think this is what you were saying as well, was like, it almost it mentally, didn't you sort of picture that book on the shelf over the guy's shoulder and it had you like zoom in Mm -hmm. on that little detail. And then it took you someplace else.
3: I did. Yeah. I had that visual. I had the visual of the newsroom and uh, the woman leaning against the bookshelf. And then I had the visual of the book inside of it. And then that took me all the way over to Watergate. And I thought that's where we were going to stay. And, but then, and I liked that it kind of went, it went um, um, can you, you know. repeat
4: the part of the stuff where you said all about the... <laughs> That's gotta be OG. <laughs>
1: that had to have been OG. <laughs>
0: I also loved writing it because I knew at the time that I wrote it that OG would
1: hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime you could put a pee under his mattress is a good day. <laughs>
2: Oh my. God. And on that note, I think we're I bid done. you all adieu. <laughs> yes. This Friday evening.
0: We're talking about today this long and winding road from job to career to calling and this part of the discussion where we're really going to get into the nitty-gritty is brought to you by Magnify Money. Doug, you know what happens when you go to magnify magnifymoney Doug has no idea. <laughs> were you talking to me? <laughs> Doug has zero zero idea. You just get done with the trivia and you're already in nap time. It is nice. Uh, my job was
1: done. I was told I get paid by the word, so I'm done. <laughs> I'll tell you what happens. Uh, what happens then, when I go? What happens when you go to magnify money? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, they make you fill out a ton of paperwork. It takes like hours and hours and hours. And then they reject you for some stupid thing like my chronic hangnail condition.
4: And there goes the sponsor.
0: That's I was just thinking, I'm like, the sponsor <laughs> loves it when we, yes, it's a painful journey and you should not go there. Isn't uh, that what happens? It has to be. It is. that's what they're all like. It is way, way, way simpler than that. You know what happens, Doug? That's what happens at your brick and mortar bank. And then you find out that maybe the best stuff's not there, so in a big turn, make it easier on yourself. head to magnify magnifymoney and you 'll find that brick and mortar products maybe not the best in class, and especially now, with so much uncertainty out there, probably time to begin looking online you know get with, uh, get with uh, 2004 and, and start getting online with your money magnify magnifymoney so we started off by talking
2: about okay. sidebar I mean, sidebar sidebar
3: made those possibilities possible
2: sidebar I request a sidebar Doug thinks that we were doing the thing for Haven that's why he said the Haven the, the hangnail thing he's right hmm <laughs> He was not paying attention at all. Not at all. To, to, the, to the fact that it was for magnified money. And he just was like, oh, I know this part. This is the part where this we is, talk about, I got it.
1: I talk <laughs> out of my butt. So, All right. No, so we're going like, to take you. You nailed it. Take also, two. because OG was texting me funny, humorous things off so. to the side. So he was passing notes in class and it distracted me. All right. There's our after show. So we've already we've already we've already done See, we, I'm always contributing. There's always that. a way that I'm adding value. Oh um, all right. Take <laughs> take two. Here we go. I still don't know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> well, you you got the whole time we have the theme music coming in to figure it out, all right? I'm talking. I can't be thinking while I'm talking. Well then that's stop, impossible. Stop talking so I can hit the damn
0: button and we'll start. So let's go. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long-term Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there and Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval.